Oh god damn it! I forgot to start the. Recording. I'm hanging up on you. Oh no! I'm hanging up no. on you. I'm hanging. No, we up have on to start you. over. We have to start no. over. No, we have to start no. again now. We have to go no. now. No, I hate you so much. We got five minutes in, man. It's okay. We were so no. We were doing so well, and I'm so. We bitter. were doing okay. The magic is still there. Let's keep going. Come on. I can't believe you. I can't. <laughs> It was bound to happen, and it's kind of a miracle that it... Just introduce the stupid show. Welcome to episode 24. Welcome to the second take of episode 24 of Stuck in the Middle with You, a podcast for two guys. Uh, fuck, I don't even remember the name of the, the fucking line I do, because this is the second time that we're recording. Like a jackass, we started recording our show, and we were in a groove, and don't fucking Derek, the dumbass producer, forgot to launch the recorder... And uh I hate everything. Yeah. I hate everything. Hi, I'm Juan. My <laughs> name is Derek Gane, the dumbass producer. <laughs> and I'm my long suffering innocent, innocent human being who was dragged along. Motherfucker, I'm fucking running this show on my end, completely independent of you. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, whatever. I, I edit this care. thing, I post it, I run the Tumblr, cut me some slack, come on. I know, I'm cutting you loose. <laughs> uh-uh. So uh, we're we're gonna skip we're gonna skip the formalities and go right to it because we don't want to lose some of that pod magic. What movie did we do this time, man? This was your pick. We did a lovely little movie by Annie Howell and Lisa Robinson called "Small Beautifully Moving Parts." Yes, uh, uh, longtime listeners will uh, no doubt realize that this is the first movie we covered that was directed by a woman, no less. This is uh, two women's work. Yes, on this is. particular film. And uh, we apologize that it's taken us this long, but we have a sort of a, a, a small sample size of movies. A woman's work. I'm sorry. Like the second you said two women's work, I just – I kind of – like I went to Kate Bush. Like that's that's where I go. Well, that's not that's, – <laughs> that's hardly a bad place to go. I know. Anyway. Yeah, this is the first. This is the first time we've done anything by a woman. But yeah, yes. it, it is. It's very limited. Um, yeah, so I'm glad. Small, I'm glad I actually liked it. Uh, which always was, makes me happy. I thought it was okay. I mean, we'll get to why, but yeah. But uh, yeah, this was uh, this is small, beautiful, moving parts. This was released in 2011. A featherweight cream puff of a movie, 70 minutes long, really short by any uh, metric. Which I am incredibly appreciative for because I. I've gotten so tired of watching long movies lately. I just I can't do it anymore. Well, two things about that. One, I just watched Hateful Eight like yesterday, and the three hours and change flew by. It's the fastest three hours I've spent in the movie theater like in forever. I mean, they they fly by if you're like I don't know, like if it like the fir- they flew by the first time the se- but you need that intermission. But the second time, like, yeah, it was very considerate of Quentin Tarantino yes. to program a pee break in the middle of the movie. You desperately need it, but like the second time I saw it, I was dying of hunger and I just I wanted to die, just die the entire time. But anyway, and the second thing though is even though this movie is like seventy minutes long, it still feels about ten minutes too long. I don't agree. I don't think it feels 10 minutes too long. There, there, but there's like 10 minutes of stuff I would cut. But that's just me. No, but I think before, it's like perfectly before, length. But okay. Before we get into any of that bullshit, Juan, what in the name of God is Small Beautifully Moving Parts about? Okay, so Small Beautifully Moving Parts is about a young woman named Sarah Sparks, uh, who is played by Anna Margaret Holliman, who I adore. And um, she's this like uh, tech geek 
she's like a, a freelance technologist. She's she describes herself as, and she she's sort of like fascinated by how how things work. She's a tinker. She's a maker. There's an yeah. introduction introductory montage of her just going to town on these uh, on these machines, like fixing up radios and whatnot. Yeah, uh, computers, computers, phones, toasters. I don't know. Was there a toaster? Uh, I feel like there was. I don't remember. <laughs> but the one thing that was definitely involved in that intro was a pregnancy test. Yes, it was. And so she is sitting in the bathroom looking at a pregnancy test. And all of a sudden she finds out that she is pregnant by her boyfriend, Leon, who is played by Andre Holland, who is awesome on the Nick, just saying. And he's actually very good in this. I really liked him. He has a very casual performance. Uh, one thing that I want, like, it's great that you pointed this out because there's something I wanted to say about the acting style in this movie, which by and large is very naturalistic. Like Andre Holland's performance is very naturalistic, very unforced, very charismatic. But there's some non-professional actors that while not performing at an amateurish level, don't quite reach that other level of polish. So it's caught in this sort of uncanny valley of performance where it's like half natural and half artificial. Yes, I can see that. But at the and, same time, they're two main – I mean I don't want to say they're main actors because she's the the lead clearly and he's supporting. But yes. like I feel like both of them work so well that it doesn't necessarily matter. Here's the thing. They're great together. But the second you get uh, the lead la- actress apart, that's when the Uncanny Valley starts showing a bit more. And especially when that character's sister is involved. Wait, who? Uh, his sister? No, no, no. Uh, not not sister. his sister. Her sister. Okay, because I mean, there's both. That's why the uh, the uh, the role that if this movie had more budget or clout, probably would have been played by Amy Adams or Isla Fisher. <laughs> if it was like a very or no, actually, uh, there's this actress in um, there's another movie that Anna Margaret Holliman's in, and she plays she plays the main actress's sister, and it's called Gaby, and it's right. actually really it's really distracting how like. How not super similar, but like they look genuinely like sisters. I can't remember her name now, and I'm so the, frustrated. I the wish lead actress in Gaby. Yes, I wish she had played her because I think she's like I I love her. I like I think they make such good siblings. But that's you know, uh, what's her name? What's her name? What's her name? Jen Harris. Yeah, Wikipedia. Well, Google informs me that it's yes, Jen Harris. Yeah. And yeah, that could make such good siblings. So yeah, a small nitpick about that that intro scene is that the way the camera's placed, she's clearly on the bowl looking at the pregnancy test. But the way Andre Holland comes in, it looks like that toilet is either like three feet high or perched on like a a step or something. Mm -hmm. Because the way that Andre Holland comes in, it looks like he's like you remember that duck walk that Kurt Russell does in the computer work issues. But isn't he squatting? I don't know because he kind of comes up and it doesn't look like he's squatting. He looks like he's like leaning. It looks like almost like he's leaning in. Okay. I mean I don't I – like, like I said, I, this is a very minor gripe and it doesn't really – it's not a point in the movie's favor or like a point <laughs> against it. It's just okay, like – I mean, it's a quirk. It's a direct – it's a quirk. Okay. That's fine. And I mean there's not like – there's not any particular directory or flourishes here to look out for not all that much. Really. Except for I, – although I do – I do want to discuss these kind of sidebar moments that the film has specifically where like she interviews people. Yeah. There are these like sort of man on the street interviews that don't entirely work. 
No, like, that's the thing. I don't think they don't work. I mean, they're a little strange, but... They, they're very strange. Like, they're and offbeat, and they're quirky, and they're obvious. I mean, like, the whole movie is a little... a little. I don't want to say quirky as a whole. Well, here's the thing. As a whole, it isn't, so that's... It isn't. So that's why it feels like these quirkier elements feel, not if not forced, at least out of place. I wouldn't say out of place. I just... Because you've got that, you've got Andre Holland's sister, and you've got the sort Andre of... Andre Holland's sister is such a... Such a strange. She's um Susan Kelechi Watson is the actress's name, and her sister's Towie, and I don't, she's so strange. She plays but, like, like a masseuse mystic. All of or the something? characters here are so strange, but I kind of like it's. Uh, would it be completely ridiculous of me to suggest that? <laughs> This is going to sound so stupid and weird. Go ahead. But um, it's like if the people that you would encounter, not necessarily in like a surreal movie, but like in something, something between surreal and real, like let's just say like true stories. Right. But more like actual human beings instead of these very strange, strange things that are in true stories like i know that sounds like a ridiculous comparison to make it's definitely a, a, a an odd comparison to make but it makes sense right um if literally everyone else in the film were like like a true stories light character and not just the sister but okay it's not just the sister though i, I mean i would extend it to okay so uh in 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 the film sarah goes to find her mother to sort of like confirm to herself that she may or may not be able to do like to be a mother herself. Even Here's the thing though, man, you're kind, with her mother. you're kind of burying the lead because this whole thing involves technology. Remember it's a strain that the movie doesn't keep all the way through really. But this, the idea is that Sarah, this tinker, this maker, this sort of, uh, I guess engineering nerd or whatever it is, has trouble coping with the emotional side of potential parenthood and has to go see her estranged mother who lives a g -g -g off the grid. That is a much better explanation. And her mother doesn't want to see her because, but yeah, this is where I'm leading into the strangeness. She lives in this sort of weird... Like a commune. Yeah, like a commune, and they all have taken a quote-unquote vow of silence, which like multiple people break <laughs> while she's there. But I, I actually, I loved how how the um, how the scene when she first gets to the communist shot like every time she walks into a room and her ex her facial expressions where all of these people are just sitting there staring blankly into the distance and she's just trying to get in communication with some of them and see like that's where these little these little strange moments they're still real but they're also very they're kind of odd offbeat Okay, yeah. Like it's not just her her sister in law, I guess. No, because her sister's pretty normal, although a little like unbearable. Uh, yeah, her father to, is a little that, like off, but like he's just like a dad. Like he's a he's he is a probably dad. the most dad character I've seen in a yeah, good long while. Exactly, he's like a very very plainly a dad. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I I enjoy those little like. Those weird offbeat things. It's interesting. It's funny because I was reading um, Robert's review, who gave it three out of four stars. And <laughs> at one point, he describes it 
he describes those moments when, especially when she goes to the Grand Canyon, and she, he describes it as a where she snaps a family photo of some tourists and quizzes them like she's Errol Morris doing a blog on photography. <laughs> and I thought that was such a such an interesting little comparison to Errol me. Morris. Yeah. And like in my defense, I haven't seen a ton of Errol Morris, but I thought it was a very amusing little comparison. Errol Morris. <laughs> You're like baffled by this concept. Like it's because – well, that and also because it comes off the heels of you comparing it to a fucking David Byrne movie. <laughs> That's true. I'm on, We're on a roll with comparisons. This is <laughs> – like I wanted to go back to the to the commune because one thing that I will give credit to this movie for it has one the saving grace of unpretentiousness because absolutely everything about this movie is meant to be it's a small movie it's a small movie about small stakes and it doesn't have any sort of pretensions to anything else it's got one thing it wants to do and it does it it doesn't have any like it doesn't have the thing that I knocked Jolene about many moons ago where I feel like tone and content didn't really quite go together, where the aspirations of the of the writer-director and the actual content of the film are at odds. This is mm-hmm. perfectly in sync. This is like right on the money. Yeah. And to that end, I want to say that in weaker hands, that's opening scene of the commune with all the like old people doing the meditating and the, the not mm-hmm. talking and everything would have been either hilarious – it's like, ah, ha, 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 look at these people not responding. Get it? Because they're off the grid. They're not reachable. Yeah. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Or it would have been fucking terrifying. Because that's but like I a horror. Like that's like a horror. I feel like it's pretty solid. That's, I don't want to say it strikes a solid balance between the two. But no, but as it stands, like, it's, it's just weird. It's not yes. off-putting. It's just sort of strange. Which, like, I guess falls into this whole thing you're talking about, uh, uh, this whole thing you're talking about vis-a-vis sort of the the burn the burn esque tone of the film at times. <laughs> I'm glad that out of all the comparisons I could have made, it, like it it just ended up on David Byrne. I uh, certainly <laughs> didn't expect a, a reference to true stories in this episode, but hey. I mean, hey, stop making sense is is how I roll. But um, <laughs> that's also, a Jonathan Demi movie, but okay. I know. I I don't give a fuck, Derek. Like, I'm just mentioning stop making whatever. Okay. You're not making it, sense. It involves David Byrne, you asshole. <laughs> her her drawing of her like quote unquote spirit animal. Oh yeah, the the light bulb. <laughs> Which like I kind of love that it's a lizard with a light bulb. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I thought it was so like again, it's such a little quirky, offbeat thing, but I like it. I appreciate that this like I don't know. I appreciate how silly it is without feeling goofy like it's yeah like uh, that doesn't make sense necessarily i mean uh, probably just to you but it, there's a very fine line like separating silliness and goofiness like it's try hey, yeah because like know, it's very different to me from most most of these movies that are like like these small independent movies that like go to sundance or south by southwest it's like a lot of them feel like they're just kind of trying to nudge the comedy at you and they're like like it feels very manufactured silliness and this doesn't it's all very natural and that's what i like about this movie every, almost everything about it is very very natural yes it's very Even linear it's a little weird and quirky and offbeat it's very linear 
Yes. It's very organic in the way that it comes yes. to like the, this organic is like a perfect weirdness. word for it, honestly. Now um, hmm. that it doesn't sort of build on that organicness to sort of, you know, beef up might be my one like one of the gripes I have with the film. Because yeah. it does, as it stands, feel very gossamer and cream puff like. Like it has really nothing to grab onto other than what is literally there. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this question back at you and you're gonna be like, Meh. but like does it have to be anything more than that? It doesn't have to be anything more than this. But then it comes – now we're outside of the realm of if this, is this movie any good into what do you like in a movie? This is a very small potatoes comedy drama shot with not a ton of directorial flair. The acting is very naturalistic and sometimes uncanny valley amateurish. doesn't happen too often but happens a little bit. Mm-hmm. And everything is wrapped up in a nice tight little bow. There's very little things that are extraneous. Everything happens for a reason. There's there's good threadbare plots and there's bad threadbare plots, but this almost defies being categorized good or bad because it's so there's so little of it. <laughs> but see, like I I disagree. I think it does everything that it wants to do so well, and I think it's a very Seriously, it's I a think very it does well it made okay. movie for as like. As a small scale, b small budget, c just like it wants to tell one story, and that's what it does. And I'm fine. With, like I like that. I like that it does that so well. And I feel like if we were placed into someone else's shoes, I guess maybe I feel like this movie doesn't necessarily affect us as much as it might someone else. Potentially like a, a pregnant woman. Yeah, someone who gets pregnant, yeah. Yes. Um, if someone who gets pregnant were to watch this and maybe they were having issues with their parent. Like, I, I, I mean, like, I feel like parent-child issue movies are, they tend to appeal to people who have issues with said parent more than anyone else. But this leads to another interesting conversation, and this kind of like falls into stuff that I've been hearing a lot about Hateful Eight and other movies, is that does a movie's quality depend on whether or not the characters and situations are relatable? Not necessarily. How do you think it can change the experience for some people? And as you were saying, like you don't you think it's you think small beautiful moving parts is like fine and I think okay. it's fine. It's okay. I, I think mean, it's good. I will I, I will probably well I I'll probably never think about this movie again after this, but that's on a knock against it. Yeah. The question then becomes do is this movie just fine or okay because it is so small potatoes? I mean for you, I guess. I feel like I would actively recommend this to to certain people who are like who are interested in certain things. I mean, if they maybe I maybe I look like, for a little bit more zip in my movies. Maybe I need like the the, the screenplay to be punched up a little bit, with a little bit, a little more crackle in the screenplay. Maybe a little more flair in the direction. Maybe a little more, you know, a little more robustness in the performances. As it is, I think it's the best possible version of this kind of movie. But to what end this kind of movie interests me and moves me is a separate question. Okay. See that's see we got to the we got to to I guess what I was like the point I was trying to make. There we go. Yeah, because it's it's just not something that interests you. Well, it's not but that, anyway, it's like well, if someone came to me and said, 
would I watch – would you recommend this movie to me? I'd say it's really small stakes. It's kind of a really, really small-scale festival comedy drama. Mm-hmm. And as far as like like budget and resources is concerned, I think it's probably the best possible version of this movie. But I mean, it's 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 very featherweight. It's very it like runs through your fingers like so much desert sand. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I also have like a slight fondness for for certain road trippy type movies where they feature like cross country travel. And also just very different lifestyles from all the individuals people visit. It's kind of why I really love Away We Go, the Sam Mendes movie that like everyone's always like, yeah, it's a it's a good movie. But like, I don't understand why you like it so much. And I'm like, because it's okay. gorgeous. I, I love really, Away We Go. I really like Away We Go. But here's why I like this movie. I better. say this as like it's my like Away We Go is literally my favorite Sam Mendes movie. <laughs> I think it might be mine as well. Maybe yeah. maybe it's Skyfall. Probably. <laughs> Yeah. But but here's the thing. Uh John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph are better actors. The screenplay but they're also kind of crackles with life ex- a bit more. Okay, but they're also in fairness more experienced. I mean actors just, in a higher budget movie. There's more to away we go than this. And there's movie. also more of a like I don't want to say like more of a relationship focus. Because well, this movie is technically all about Anna Margaret Holliman's character, Sarah. I don't know, there's just I feel like there's just more more to it. I mean, it's a very it's different like, movie. It's, it's, I was just yeah, using no, it's it like as making, like a kind of reference point for. It's like, like making a stew in a weird way. If the composite ingredients are like of a higher quality, or there's just something to them, the end result is like chunkier and more and heartier. Which is a weird way to describe a, low, uh, a relatively <laughs> low-budget Sam Mendes movie. I guess. But you were talking about movies about road trips and of uh, alternate yeah. lifestyles and all that. And you know what else is a movie that can be described like that? Hmm. Tulane Blacktuff. Oh, my is, God. See, okay. In, which is literally in, one of my like, favorite movies of all time. I'm sorry. I've never seen Tulane Blacktop. Oh, so. man. It's so good. I, I think know. that was like I think that was like I, the I always first... just – I feel like it's such a – like every time I look at the cover, I'm just like, I don't think I'll like this. And I'm sure I will once I sit down and watch it. But it's it really just cool. makes me think like, oh, this is just like some bro racing movie every time I see it. And I just like it puts me off from watching it. I don't know, man. It's James Taylor and Warren Oates. Again, and... I'm sure if I watch it, I'll like it. But like it just it it looks kind of like a racing movie and i just don't care well it kind of is but it's not about the racing it's an existential cuz every movie in the 70s yes, i think I, by oh, contract has to be everyone says yes everyone again it's i'm not knocking it i just i'm putting it off which is <laughs> fine but i mean that's yeah. a dope movie but yeah i mean but that thing is sort of you know constructed with ellipses and it has Sort of these disaffected, weird performances by James Taylor and Warren Oates, and even Dennis Wilson from the Beach Boys, and it's and the sound design in it is incredible. It's those little things that add up to something more robust. Small, beautifully moving parts is in itself a small, beautifully moving part, but I'm more concerned and sort of appreciative of fucking just rigs, you know. I know you are. But I, I I really enjoyed this movie, and I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm like partially biased because I really do like Anna Margaret Holliman and pretty much everything she's 
like everything I see her in, I'm just like, I love you. Like, I like you more and more every single movie I see you in. And the first time I had ever seen her was in uh, White Reindeer, a Zach Clark movie. And then I saw her in a short film called Social Butterfly, which I really liked her in too. Uh, She had like five seconds in Sleeping with Other People that I saw this year, uh, which is like pretty great. Not not great movie, but it's a very, very good movie as well. And um, she's so funny in it. She's such a good comedic actress. And then immediately after watching this movie, I actually watched Gaby, which was formerly mentioned. Uh, But I I liked her in that a lot, too. She's so good. She should be in so many more movies honestly i really like her i wish she was in so many more movies but anyway (laughs) that's just me like rambling on i think she's just so good at like doing both comedy and drama and she knows how to handle dark comedy as well but i'll get into that later so I think we've gotten like I, there's only so much we could say about a, a short, small stakes kind of pared down 70 minute movie. So I think we're going to go on ahead and go to uh, the final judgments on this one. Yeah, I mean, I stand by I stand. Oh, wait, there was one scene that I really liked uh, when she's at her like her her baby shower thing. And I know like a ton of movies have done this before and a ton of TV shows have done it. But like. The moments that are showing her kind of being overwhelmed by the concept of having a child, like the like the little like the sound stuff and the visuals and close ups of the kids and her face. Like it's all been done before, but I thought it was very like it's simple but effective in this in this movie. And I also really like the segment of her imagining Skyping with her unborn child, which, again, is like one of those like weird asides. But I thought it was very cool. You want to know what I thought? They were fine. Uh, whatever. Yes, everything is fine to you in this movie. <laughs> uh, oh, also, shout out to the the actress who plays her mother because she's on The Good Wife, and that is by far one of my favorite shows ever. We don't talk about TV on this podcast. It. I don't care. I was just watching it before we started recording this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway... So fresh or rotten, man? Fresh, absolutely. I would definitely give it a fresh. I I I, I enjoyed it. I I know you you think it's just fine, but I think it's it's a pretty good movie. I mean, I think it's fine enough to give it a fresh as well. But mm. I mean, like I said, it has a saving grace of unpretentiousness. It is a pretty straightforward dramedy about uh, a parenthood in the modern age. It's it's not the loftiest of. Of aspirations, but it's like I said, it's fine. It's all right. That this movie exists is fine. It's not a world-shattering movie. It's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. It's okay. And since it was only, I feel like it was aiming for okay. So that's why I'm giving it a fresh. Okay. I mean, I'm I can settle for that. <laughs> so, um, fuck. What else do we do on this pod? We haven't we recommend done, things. Yeah, usually. we haven't done this in a month, so I know. I'm completely lost. <laughs> so I forgot to fucking hit record when we started. Oh my god, please tell me, please. We're please. recording, we're recording, Thank I assure you. Thank Christ. Okay. So, so what's your recommendation, uh, man? My recommendation this lovely week is, um, it's going to be White Reindeer, which I just mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, which is link? also featuring Anna Margaret Holliman. All right. As the lead actress. And I love White Reindeer. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. It's a Zach Clark movie. And he's 
like I, I don't remember how I stumbled into White Reindeer, but I ended up liking it so much that I was like, okay, well, what else has Zach Clark done? And I ended up watching his film before that, which was called Vacation. And it's it's honestly the most batshit fascinating thing I've seen in a long while. I'm like, I know Conrad uh, Tao. Shout out to Conrad. Plug. Uh, I feel like we've done this before. Uh, <laughs> Let me just pick up that name off the floor there for a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, I like coaxed him into watching it. Uh, but yeah, no, like Zach Clark's a really cool director. Um, and White Reindeer is just like it's this depressing ass Christmas movie. <laughs> and I don't like really want to talk a ton about it, but um, it's just it's just it's just kind of like a woman trying to get over the grief of losing her husband because he died. And, um, yeah. So that's what I'll give you. And she's super good and it's very like dark comedy goodness and watch it. It's awesome. Anyway, I will let you go ahead and recommend your movie now. That is like disconcertingly on brand for you, my friend. What what's disconcertingly on brand for me? Me that, picking like a dark comedy where a woman loses her husband. Yeah, I mean that is like and you, a Christmas movie to boot. Yeah, the only <laughs> thing that movie needs to be like the perfect movie for you is that it's scored by like jazz. Oh my god! If only. <laughs> yeah, you are in the tank for some holiday sadness, my friend. Oh my god, I love holiday sadness. <sighs> holiday sadness is like who I exist to to like that. That is that is the only reason I am alive for holiday sadness that's fucking weird man i know, I know. anyway my recommendation <laughs> is not well it's it's not as much of a bummer but it's 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 kind of a kind of a melancholy kind of thing uh let's see it's a sports movie uh, in that the person starring plays a sport in this case a baseball the name of the film is uh, sugar 2008 it was directed by anna Bowden and ryan fleck and you might recognize uh, this year from a certain movie called Mississippi Grind. Oh my! So yes, this movie. Watch that. So this movie's about a uh, Dominican kid who uh, dreams of becoming a major league baseball player, and so he kind of tools around in the minors and has adventures in America. Becomes a man, and uh, you know, discovers that uh, that the American dream ain't all it's cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. It stars uh, it stars Algenis Perez Soto as uh, the titular character Miguel Sugar Santos and the link is one Andre Holland who plays a character named Johnson and this movie actually got a better score from Roger Ebert than this movie it got a 3.5 out of 4 so uh, yeah kind of a coming of age uh, baseball movie it's 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 pretty good right up your goddamn alley it's pretty small stakes as as this movie was as well and uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty good. <laughs> it's it, this is not a qualified recommendation. It's been a while since I've seen this movie, but uh, but yeah, sugar, get on it. Hold on, hold on, let me cool. do that again. Sugar, it's really sweet. Wow, get yep. away! I I should hang up on you. You there? I wish I could. I wish I could. So All right, whatever. Af- after our awful. month, after our month long <laughs> absence, man. We gotta get back into the swing of things. We gotta get we gotta get cracking. We gotta we gotta record another podcast for a little more than two weeks from now. Because Sounds like a plan. What are we po- gonna do for that week? Well we'll be continuing our series of firsts, my friend, because 
this movie, Small Beautiful, uh, Small Beautifully Moving Parts, is the first movie directed by a woman that we've done on the show. Next time, we're going to be doing our first anthology film. Hooray! And that anthology film is Aria, which is kind of exciting because it has a dick ton of people. It has a lot of people are pretty cool and or pretty divisive. <laughs> yeah, uh, the directors uh, who are uh, who are involved with the film: Robert Altman, Bruce Beresford, uh, Beresford. Beresford, Beresford. I think it's Beresford. Beresford. I don't. Whatever. Robert Altman, Bruce Beresford, uh, uh, Bill Bryden, Jean Luc Godard. Uh, Derek Jarman, Frank Rodham, Nicholas Rogue, Ken Russell, Charles Sturridge, and Julian Temple. Yeah, that's a hell of a lineup. Yep. Loads of people. Kind of curious to see what happens. Yeah, and we're going to be also continuing our run of short movies because this one clocks in at a cool hour and a half. Yep, and it's all just short films all about an aria, or each one has their own respective aria. I think each one has their own respective. Yes, each one has their own. Yeah. So time for a couple of schmucks to cover this this middle-brow attempt at high-brow entertainment. All right. So plug time, I guess. Yeah, you go ahead. (laughs) So Juan and I run a website, Dim the House Lights. You can find it at dimthehouselights.com. There you can find all of our long-form film criticism and the long-form film criticism of several other writers, including Michelle Arf, Chris Mello, Ross Burks, and Carl Harris. Uh, if you're interested in this podcast in particular, you can go to our podcast website, which is at sitmwipodcast.tumblr.com. There you can find links to our old episodes, uh, our RSS feed, links to our Twitter accounts, our letterbox accounts, and most importantly, the iTunes show page. There you can subscribe to us, give us a rating, a review. It helps us. You know, The more people vote, the more people will know about us. Uh, if you're interested in the shit we do specifically, I'm on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Derek underscore G and Juan is at both Twitter and Letterboxd at Whoa, it's Juanito. That's W-O-A-H, it's Juanito altogether. You can find some of my writing also at MontrealSchlockCity.com. That's my portfolio blog. And Juan has a gig at the Miami New Times. I think that's everything. Yeah, I would guess so. So this episode is pretty much in the can. And so next time, we promise we'll see you in two weeks. Woo!